in light of the events that have happened in the mass shootings across the country over the past month, we here at a thing would like to ask for just a brief moment of silence. doing a thing Woo. and it has been a week so we have a lot to talk about today um we're gonna jump into entertainment where we talk about something that has shown up on netflix as of you know really recently um rocco's modern life hit which is exciting so you get to listen to us talk about that hashtag spoilers Yes, spoiler alert. Hashtag Abby. honestly, I don't care that there's spoilers. Go watch it. If you're going to listen to it, you know me well enough probably to know I love this show. Yes, but spoilers for those who haven't seen it yet. So just skip over that part because then we do start talking about all the wonders of the Disney Plus experience and the bundle that comes with it. Hey, and real talk, if y'all actually like the whole doing a review in the episode, let me know, uh, or us know, however you'd like, so that we can maybe do that more moving forward. Yes, because it was fun talking about it. I enjoyed it. Um, you get to listen to our opinions on it. Um, in entertainment, before hopping into what I would probably say the bulk of our episode is this week, which is a political thing. Yeah, a controversial political thing. Yes, this is a very controversial topic that we are going to be hitting on. So, you know, let's put our our open mind caps on. Give it a listen. We're going to make it nice and we, we try to keep it nice and concise. Um, but it is, you know, something that we wanted to make sure that we did cover this week. Um, and then after. And we are joined on a political thing this week our, by a friend of mine, actually. Uh, Mr. Antonio. He gives us yes. his opinions on our topic as he well. Does. So it's definitely worth a listen. Um, I think he brought some great insight to the table and into the conversation, and it was really educational. Yes, good good banter back and forth. Um, so thankful that we could we could have him on this week. And then we do jump into this week in your sub box where we talk about um, a piece of shit. Yeah, and we're just going to leave it at that. We talk about a piece of shit, so strap in, and let's do the thing. And welcome to Entertainment. My favorite segment because of the reaction. <laughs> we're going to have some fun today, though, and start it off by talking about something big that came out literally the day before we recorded. Oh, did it come out on Netflix? It did. My childhood is back for at least 45 minutes. Oh, it's got to be nice. And then your knees give out, right? Because that's how me living your childhood works. I don't know. I guess I just have to embrace the changes. Um, anyway. <laughs> the we're the talk winds of change. The winds of change. <laughs> it's the only one I'm so. saying wind from now on, just by the way. 
<laughs> with the hard WH, like cool whip. Cool whip. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about on a, on a sub-segment today that we're going to call a thing reviews. We're going to talk for a little bit about Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling. The once Nickelodeon special that was then dropped by Nick and put on to, and well, picked up by Netflix. And the show, the special, 45 minutes long, takes um, place 20 years after the end of the original series. And we find our heroes still floating around in space. And they're still watching the same VHS tape of the fans. And the tape breaks, and they have to figure out how to get back to Earth. And plot MacGuffin number one. <laughs> well, hold on. Just like a quick little caveat. I do appreciate that the tape that they were using was that nickel. Yes, it was the child. orange. And it made me so happy. I was like, wait, I had those. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of call-outs throughout this movie to things that get to you. Um, so, just like it is in any Rocco. You know, conveniently, the remote is stuck to Heifer's ass. They you get think it. they'd learn? Phil and Heifer argue over the remote while Rocco tries to get them to listen. And then it does the classic, he screams, they listen, push the button, and land back at a modern-day O-Town. As as close as you can get to a modern real life. life. Yep. Ha 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 ha. I see so, what you did there. I'm going to try and... Now, I guess before I get any further into this, and I should have said this at the beginning, spoilers. Yeah. Probably, because yeah. It's really new, so it's we really will post new. a timestamp in the description if you want to watch it and then come back and listen talking about i'm not posting a timestamp in the description of that room I'll, I'll tell you when it ends how's that fine that that's a time so stamp. the reason <laughs> being that i wanted to talk about this so fresh is i love this show i grew up with rocco's modern life i still own the complete series it is one of my favorite cartoons um there's a lot of reasons i love it that i won't go into right now maybe we'll do a whole review of the series where i can talk more at large about everything i love but i'm gonna gush here for a little bit about it while i can so i think instead of us getting down and going plot point by plot point by plot point by plot point by plot point i'm going to move more on through phases so they get okay. back to earth and see the new modern world heifer and filbert get the new o phones and they make and they, the joke of how quickly obsolete it is. Yes, and the swarms of people that go because they just slap the tent on and people go rushing in. Um, I also like that they they hop from the their quote-unquote Starbucks hop from one to the other like right away. Buzzes on Rocco as they're going. I do like that it is again the choky chicken. Not the chewy yeah. chicken that Nickelodeon censored it into in the end after like the first season. It became the choky chicken again, and I appreciate that. <laughs> That's the exact reason. Oh yeah. Um, we'll get more sure. into the voice cast of this of this oh. in a bit because there's some big names that maybe you'll be surprised by. Okay, I did want to talk about because it was like also just like at the beginning, but the whole nipple mm -hmm. thing. What about it? 
it was just the, a great way to open with my well, time traveling nipples. <laughs> well, yeah, it's really, really big man. He has time. His nipples are powerful. And, but I just, I, they are very powerful. And I was just like, you know, after only watching a few episodes of Rocco, like definitely not the whole series, because it was one of those sh- shows that my parents said I wasn't allowed to watch because they actually paid attention to me as a child. Um, so I had to watch it later. So I missed a lot. Um, but yeah, so the nipples were kind of just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, really, really big band. And he has a high pitched voice. I love it. There's a lot of call outs to classic rock of things throughout this. Um, one of my favorites, the flies show up. And I love those little flies. Hooray! <laughs> They're great. Um, I like that Ed Bighead's been in 20 years, and then all of a sudden, the day Rocco comes back, his life goes to hell. And I love that premise, that Rocco is the root cause of all of the problems of Ed Bighead's life. <laughs> he gets back, and then everything goes wrong. And it's all this because... Is- yeah. And it wasn't even something he directly did. It's just because Rock stood in his world again. Yeah. And then what is it? It's so Rocco's out in the modern world, sees everything that's going on, just everything in your face, oversaturized, and goes back to his house. And I still love this thing. He does this classic saying: "The twenty-first century is a very dangerous century," and I love it. Yeah. And, and this is big head shows up. Mid mental breakdown too. Like, not not even just, like, she just shows up and, like, Rocco is just kind of like, oh, things are more dangerous. Like, poor dude is in, like, full-on shock and just, like, like looking for a safe space and, like, can't even get that, you know, he's freaking out, like, everything's too much for him. Oh, and then I, she comes I do in. want to say that when they landed, they did land on Mr. Compost Heap. And I... Just again, another classic character makes an appearance. He was like the, the star of the recycling episode and is even singing the recycling song as they land. And then they just kind of like, okay, you got it. It's done. <laughs> so essentially, because Rocco's back, bad things happen and a big head loses his job. Conglomo goes under and they have to find a way to bring it back. What do they decide to do? Bring back Rocco's favorite show, The Fatheads. Because he needs that one touch of something that he knew the, from 20 the, years ago to make it all okay. Brothers are brought in as the creative team behind it, and it's great. I love the Lizard Brothers. They, I feel like they're a parody of like European twins that other things parody. Mm-hmm. And I can't put my finger on what it is. But I know it's a reference to that. <laughs> yes. Um, they're clever. They're, there's a lot of very clever references in this game. Or in this, that <laughs> game. Wow, I'm still stuck on our on one of our other conversations. Right. Um, however, in, in this, there's a lot. So I also want to point out how self-aware this is. I want to point out that it's a reboot special trying to make a reboot special happen after 20 years and also like the motivations behind it too because it's not just like oh we're gonna do a reboot you know it's because it's like oh we're out of money 
I'm gonna lose things, but a reboot will save everything. Yep. And it looks and like crap. And they ask him to bring on the original creator, so it switched off the real quest of the show. Quest to find Ralph Bighead. You mean Rachel Bighead? Shh, spoiler. We already disclosed it. Yes, well, I was going to say they don't find Ralph Bighead. Instead, they meet Rachel Bighead. <laughs> spoiling my way of going but yes and no so when they leave and i refuse to admit rachel at this point because when they leave at this point of the movie they don't know about rachel bighead this is true it's it's ralph so it's still ralph and they go flying around the world showing ralph's picture off to people and on a drone mind you they're on a drone with a couch strapped to it which is art in and of itself like <laughs> with <sighs> And it's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna take this drone. It's like for all your drone needs, you need that drone. Yep, the and, drone emporium. And, and what I say, oh, I'm sorry. But what I say, I'll appreciate with the whole drone scene is that it does that like classic cartoon of like, oh, we're gonna show like the, and then just like little jump cuts into whatever it is, and then eventually mm -hmm. they don't land in the racially ambiguous pillows. <laughs> oh my god, I, I, you don't understand how much I loved that when I saw it and it just said, you know, culturally ambiguous pillows for sale. Soft, oh. fluffy, culturally ambiguous pillows. And they land next to I died. I was crying because at that one because that, that was totally is a Rocco good. joke. That's a classic Rocco joke. As are a lot of the things we're about to, that we're getting into. Um, so yeah, they fall in the desert and... They see an ice cream truck eventually comes up and they meet Rachel Bighead for the, the, the toad formerly known as Ralph. And it tells you that 20 years ago, Ralph left home to find himself and decided he was no longer Ralph Bighead and that he was more comfortable being Rachel Bighead to which Rocco and the gang instantly accept in the desert. And I love that. Right. There's a reason there. I love that and we'll get to it. Okay. Skipping over a few things, they convince Rachel to come back with them and reboot the Fatheads. And then they get back to O-Town. And you have Rachel confront and see her father, who doesn't accept it. No, 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 no. Too much change. Too much change. Too much change from the old uh, winds of change. The winds of change are too strong. Um, so she runs off. And I guess really just to kind of sum things up, I guess, on it in this mid part of the movie like this. Um, you start seeing what this special really is is it is really a self-parody of showing how the world has changed in the 20 years since Rocco went off the air. Right, because it's... If not you know, longer. No. I mean, it's... I, I, I think they chose the sequence of... and, like, the timeline, like, on purpose, because, like, the whole premise of the show was for it to be modern and to make yeah, modern commentary... In a more kid-friendly, digestible format versus, like, South Park, per se. Right. 
So and this is the the kid, like PG ten. <laughs> this is like the E ten plus um, of yes, uh, cartoon specials here. Right. That that speak on cultural, different cultural things. Um. So and then for them to like take that like timeline because it also, in my opinion, just like knowing what I know of like nostalgic culture is that that really does hit the nail on the head is that 20 years ago things were so different and we yearn for that stuff that came from that time period which is why we got a Rocco's Modern Life reboot movie <laughs> why we're getting an Invader Zim reboot special which I'm so excited for <laughs> I was more excited for the Rocco one and it still fires on all cylinders for me so Rachel decides after an epiphany moment to still go ahead and create the Fathead special. And I'm skipping over a lot of plot points to try to still leave things as vague as possible, but I've given you the biggest spoiler of the whole thing. So, hey, sorry. Um, and I like that Rachel did it how, you know, by actually like pencil and penning it too. Mm -hmm. That was, that to me, like resonated with me so much because I, am an artist yeah. just not active and i can't do digital media i just right. I can't do it i i am a pen and paper kind of gal so to like see someone like still like do the craft i'm like yes thank you <laughs> and then while rachel's doing that mr edward bighead and rocco are on the roof speaking to nancy's favorite character Yes, the winds of change. He tells that change can be good, and is interrupted by a phone call by from Hafer <laughs> that the spatial is done, and they see the special, and you have two things happen here. You basically have it swap characters who are the antagonistic side, I guess. Um, Fathead's plays, and it's not what Rocco wanted in the end because they added Baby Fathead, but Baby Fathead... Um, led to a heartwarming moment of acceptance between Ed and Rachel. Which was great. It was a good catalyst. Yeah, so it was very sweet. I was like, aww. Rocco's on top of the ice cream truck shouting that Rachel ruined the fat heads because it's not the fat heads that they want that he wanted, that they remembered it was new fat heads. It was different fat heads. It was changed fat heads. And that was Why does that sound like everyone on the internet? That Ooh, was so self-aware. <laughs> just like the, the cancel culture that it's shouted out to in it um i mean long story short it lets you know that you need to accept change that's the overarching message here and there's a lot more to it but there's more i want to go into i want to i want to piggyback off your um cancel culture thing really quick because i i really liked how they did like the the media reporting oh god yes um, throughout the whole thing yes i thought it was fantastic from like the stocks going up and down to the messages bottom which like make sure you read those because they are gold i promise um and also it's just like rocco you single-handedly saved this town and then like 20 seconds later you single-handedly like, ruined this town and then everyone's like we hate everyone went from like we love rocco. We, hate we hate rocco. rocco and it was just like wait we totally deal with that right now and that was one of my favorite call outs i think of just like like how quick people are to like flip the script and flip how they feel about something because of the narrative that's told to them. You know my biggest critique at this special? 
Yes. There wasn't a lawsuit joke. We really missed out. I because mean, I've got ample opportunity. Ample material, rather. <laughs> Is it copyrighted material? I mean, can be if I <laughs> wanted it to, but I don't really want to go through that effort. Yo, take my jokes. I don't care. You can Carlos Mencia me. Not like I'm getting paid <laughs> to do this. Or, or uh, Dane Cook. Yeah. I don't really care. I mean, that goes back to a whole other... We'll, we'll get there one day. Um, Back to the topic <laughs> at hand. So, I do want to talk about something regarding this show, though, that actually is kind of, you know, so to speak, grinding my gears, is the people people who were automatically angry and stopped watching it halfway through where the reveal happens with Ralph becoming Rachel. Um, and those who refuse to watch it because of that. This show is made basically for you. Like, this special is made for you to watch. Not not for me. Like, for me as a Rocco fan, it's great. And it's made for me as a Rocco fan. But not in the way I'm talking about. It's made for you. So you can accept and understand that the worldviews change and people change. Doesn't mean you, you have to... I mean, it doesn't mean you have to automatically accept every single thing in the world. But you have to be willing to accept that change and open your eyes to other understandings. Um, one of our biggest critiques in between you and I at least talking with the world at large when we get together and talk about it is that people have a lack of wanting to understand the other side of things that's where this special can fill that void because it's a mindless 45 minute cartoon romp of laughter and fun and I enjoyed the living hell out of it yeah it was I mean it was a whirlwind for me especially as like a like I said I've only seen a few episodes so I could see that they were making a whole bunch of references to make someone you happy. So like, for me, kind of coming at this with fresh Heifer, eyes. Right. Like the fact that Heifer's grandpa's a wolf ghost now is just hilarious to me. I, I like the line where he's like, I'll tell you when I'm dead. Back in my, my day, day when someone you. died, you stayed dead. And I'm just like, <laughs> I love oh, it. wait. I always knew I'd get killed by, I'd get done in by a beaver. I'm a wallaby. <laughs> well, and that's the joke is that he was always a beaver to Heifer's grandpa. Um, so there's a lot of classic shout outs. Dr. Scratch and Sniff and Filbert's kids make an appearance and she still has her head tick. Um, oh, I like how kind of a lot of comics is now a 3D print shop. That did um, that, that did get me. Because they're like, what, what's wrong with the door? And it's like, print, But 3D printed comics would be pretty cool right not gonna um, lie <laughs> i mean there's just a lot to this to digest and i do need to watch it again to catch a lot of the other things i'm sure i missed because i know there's probably a lot that i did but right. i just enjoyed everything that was there as a callback to be what the rocco was in the 90s and updating its message now for a modern time of hey it's time to accept these changes things change this is what you need and people yeah. And millennials especially are resistant to change. And we see what happens when that change ha happens and it's not change that they accept. Yeah, it's like, oh, change is good until I don't like it. And again, that's where this special comes in to see Rocco's static cling. And this special addresses every single thing that you can talk about to be like, see where change and go with the changes. And I, I supported it wholeheartedly. I loved this thing and I... 
I really do hope for set that on some slim chance out there that we get more Rocco because of this. I think it's a show that would benefit greatly today. You but know, sad- from sorry, I say, but sadly, it's Netflix, and we know that won't happen because if it's not Stranger Things, it doesn't get more than a season. Not true. Um, see Netflix's recent record since Stranger Things got season two. Thirteen reasons why I got another season. Okay. Insatiable got another season, even though people are mad. People are mad at this Rocco's Modern Life special. But it's not that people are mad. People like the show. A lot of what Netflix does is the shows that generate controversy do get more airtime. Shows that they people tend to really like don't get enough click through because there's no controversy involved for them to click on it and watch. There's there was controversy there with this episode. That's what I'm saying. No, I know. Controversy. What I'm saying is that the good shows out there that Netflix does, some really good shows, only get one season because they don't generate things like the controversy to get the view-through rates to generate the revenue. There's a whole thing on all of this that maybe one day we'll actually dive into on the, on the, on the podcast. I don't think today's that day, but there's actually a lot of articles and things written about the business practice of Netflix. Okay, that that might be worth a deep a deep dive for sure. Um, and then I think what I'll say to kind of like wrap up the the review of the entertainment as someone, <laughs> you know, like I said, like a novice to Rocco's modern life, you could say. Um, despite me not getting all the references, I still very content. I loved how meta and like you said, like self aware it was. Because it was like they were they were making fun of themselves the whole time, but in like a really like unless you didn't know, it's a very in my opinion a very intelligent. And I think that speaks really, you know, fondly to the writers and you know the creators of the show, you know, to be able to kind of like hone that in and like a way where I was like, you know what, I might not, but I still enjoyed the heck out of this forty five minutes. Well, and that's. One thing I want to get into with that is actually talking about the cast and everything, because they did get the original cast back. Oh. And so. They Kevin Smith did. So here, I don't know if you actually know some of the names that are in um, Ed Ed, or in Ed and Eddie. Wow. In Rocco's Mom. Where did that come from? <laughs> you'll you'll get uh, you'll see in a minute. So okay. Rocco, one of the chameleons. um Oh, I forgot the ringworms were in there. Anyway, because um, yes, the ringworms also make an appearance. The um, chameleon's names, by the way, are Leon and Chuck. Interesting. Okay. So Carlos Alas Rocky is Rocco, better known from Reno Nine One One. No way. Um, the voice of Heifer, Chuck Chameleon, really, really big man, Papa Elf, um, the Compost Heat, um, Bloaty the Tick. That's Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob. Tom Kenny, my dude. The voice of Ed so and Bev Bighead, Mr. Dupet, Grandpa Wolf, the Fatheads, is Charlie Adler, better known as the voice of the red guy in Chicken and Cow and Chicken. Along with other things, that's probably, I think, what you'll know him the most from. Cow and Chicken is one of the, um, one of the other, ones I've watched. Other things credit to him, he was Ickes and All Real Monsters, he was Buster Bunny and Tiny Toons Adventures, um... The oh, I love of... Tiny Toons Adventures. That was such a good show. Philbert, the Mater D, and all that is done by a 
gentleman named known by the name of Mr. Lawrence. Mr. Lawrence is also Plankton in SpongeBob. Yes. He's also he's in there. All of these are in a lot of things or in a lot of them. But yeah, he's Plankton. That's fantastic. Okay. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of people in here that work on SpongeBob and such because the creator of SpongeBob got his start on Rocco's Modern Life, doing directing and animation for it. May he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. So, and the actual creator of Rocco's Modern Life himself is the voice of Rachel Bighead. Oh, that's great. So yeah, just some of the things there that you can say that you can see. Um, there's some of the guys now that these are big names in the world of voice acting and comedy. You know, Deputy right. Garcia was Rocco. Tom Kenny, who's SpongeBob, who's best known as SpongeBob, is also Heifer. You okay, know, so I have, a, what's up? I have a question because I, while I was watching it, I saw one real life person photo. Okay. In in the series, do you know who that was? Was that the creator, like putting his face in it, or uh, this? Yeah. Like the actual real life, I actually believe if I remember correctly, I think that's actually a tribute to the creator of SpongeBob. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's nice. It they it has a hundred percent rating on Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes right now. Woohoo! There you go. Right now, it's being praised and claiming it to be progressive and a huge step for Nickelodeon. It's getting an A minus rating from the AV Club right now. Okay. There we go. It's doing things. So, I'm happy this is there. Um, it's. I like that they actually worked with Glad to make sure representation was respectful. Yes, to and standards. not. Um, oh, I I did like just I did like the one joke that was made, and oh I thought God. it was very Roger, tasteful. I thought you were Rachel. Yes, I. That was a very. There, there are ways to make jokes. And that's one of them. And that's one of them. And I, I laughed my ass off when I heard that. And I yeah. was, I was just, and I didn't feel bad about it because I was lighthearted. Yes, I was so for it. So that that made my heart happy, and you know, also made my bladder a little full because I was like, <laughs> Yeah, it. I could keep going on and on and on about all of this, but. Instead, I'm going to move over to our next part. That is, I'm going to say that ends our thing review. Um, I recommend and give this my personal rating of a sausage out of a hot dog. You know, that's some high quality rating in case anyone was curious. It's all beef on both sides, by the way. We don't do any of that nasty pork shit around here. All beef. Because <laughs> you're Jewish. No, it's also because <laughs> pork is gross. Let's just be honest. No, I made some really good pork ribs the other day. They were delicious. Oh, no, man. They were clean boned and delicious. (laughs) Yeah, does not sound good. Oh, well, I enjoyed myself. But we can talk about something that's more pork related since it is going to be, you know, stuff full of money. Disney Plus. (laughs) Wow. You know what? I I give you... I give you a a star and a half for the effort you put in to making that segue work. Um, Works well enough. But yes, we do have 
a big, you know, we got our big news of the week in regards to Disney Plus. Got a lot and... of Disney Plus news this week. Whew. It's it's a heavy list, but I'm ready. And I think, you know, starting off with just like knowing what you can get, you can get a bundle of Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and then ad-based Hulu. I did find out and confirm that it is ad-based Hulu. Meh, that's fine. Whatever. I don't have ad-based Hulu. So that's kind of I a... I don't care. I do. I don't add anything. I don't, I don't advertise on my computer, on my Netflix, on my YouTube. I refuse. And um, that's why I only have to pay a dollar a month for Hulu versus 13 a month for Hulu. I don't mind, though. That's, it's an investment I'm willing to make. Um... But yes, understand so, that what you're paying for Hulu right now is the entire cost of this. I know. I understand that. And I mean, like the ESP Plus also does make it a little bit more worth it in my eyes, where I might almost consider downgrading. But I want to see if maybe there's a way I can upgrade downgrade? my. I want to see if there's a way I can upgrade my Hulu package to add within the. Like, instead of it being like the. Probably not. Um, if I know Disney, probably not. I know they're gonna, gonna want all to, that ad revenue. You're gonna have to pay because the other two will be commercial free to an extent. Disney Plus will be commercial free, ESPN Plus will be for those events that will require it. Um, so they're gonna have to make ad revenue somewhere. And since they own a majority of Hulu, if you pay for they, if you're gonna pay for ad free Hulu, you might have to pay the eight bucks a month for each individual service after that. Oof. But that being said, there's a bunch of stuff coming out with it at launch, too. Right. And, you know, the stuff that was, like, announced at, you know, San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, and I mean... And yeah, that, you're that we've all, talked about before, so that's all going to be on there. Like, all 30 seasons of The Simpsons, Malcolm in the Middle, etc. And then we're going to get classic Disney Channel movie. Home Alone reboot. The Home Alone reboot, I'm interested to see because it also doesn't say whether or not it's going to be a movie or a TV show or a TV series. I feel like it's going to be a TV series. Probably. And I, if it's a TV series, I'm going to be disappointed because I just don't feel like that format works in a TV series setting. Like the so, yeah, I don't know. I'm interested, but not interested enough to care when there's a lot more things to look at. So on launch day, I'm going to read you some of the things available on launch day. Okay. You're going to have Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man 3, Thor the Dark World. Um, you're going to have episodes 1 through 6 of Star Wars, as well as episodes 7 and Rogue One. Every Pixar movie, <laughs> every Pixar movie except for Toy Story 4. And I will also get to the Disney classics in a moment because there's a whole section for Disney classic stuff. Um, originally, those are, those are movies there. Original shows, The Mandalorian, Forky Asks a Question, Spark Shorts, Marvel's Hero Project, High School Musical, The Musical, The Series. No. Just like we're a thing, the podcast, the Facebook page, the Twitter page. Yeah. How dare they steal? I'm suing Disney. Yeah, lawsuit. Um, <laughs> Encore. Untitled Walt Disney Imagineering Documentary Series. That sounds interesting. 
I'm I'm interested in that and how much anti-Semitism they're going to touch on. Probably none. None. Most Disney things don't, and they have the event that you come on and talk about how great he was with them. Anyway, um, you also get what is the most interesting one to me of all the Day One series. Oh? The World According to Jeff Goldblum. That is going to probably be one and of the most interesting. here is the descriptor. The descriptor for it. Jeff Goldblum leads each episode of this reality series by examining a deceptively familiar thing we all love, like sneakers or ice cream. Goldblum makes uh, disparate connections between science, history, and people. So, yeah. Interesting. So we really just get to hear him talk about how his mind works. Essentially. And I'm all for that because we all know how much we slash the internet love Jeff. So. Right. And then original movies, you're getting a re of Lady and the Tramp. Okay. Tessa Thompson will be Lady and Justin Thoreau is Tramp. Cast also includes Kiersey Clemens, Thomas Mann, Janelle, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Moani, Moan, Yvette Nicole Brown, and Sam Elliott. And then there will be 25, at the end of year one, there will be things there as well, like The Last Jedi, Solo, Rise of Skywalker, Story Story 4 will be up there, the rest of the Marvel library will be up there. And yeah, so original shows for year one for Marvel. There is also going to be, of course, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Marvel 616, Lamp Life, Monsters at Work, Star Wars The Clone Wars, The Making of Frozen 2. Interesting. Be Be Our Chef, a Disney-inspired cooking contest. Um, Iconic Art of the Movies, Diary of a Female President, Okay. Um, Magic of Animal Kingdom, Reconnect, Rogue Trip, Shop Class. There's a lot coming, and I'm not going to keep reading through them all. But right, um, so they're, they're making it worth it. For as much we as go. we were kind of griping and groaning is... about the service, they're at least yeah. putting their money where their mouth well, is. And here we go. This is what I was going to get to. So day one, film library highlights. This is the official list. So I'm going to highlight some of the ones on here for you. You're going to have 101 Dalmatians, A Bug's Life, and a Goofy Movie. An extremely goofy movie. Bambi, Bow, Big Hero 6, Cars, Finding Nemo, and Finding Dory, as well as Fantasia. Frozen, Hercules, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Iron Man, uh, Lady and the Tramp, Lilo and Stitch, Mary Poppins, Mickey, Donald, Goofy, The Three Musketeers, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, Moana, Monsters University, the first Pirates movie, uh, Remember the Titans, Ratatouille, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Steamboat Willie, The Incredibles, The Little Mermaid, The 1961 Parent Trap, The Princess Diaries, The Rocketeer, The Sword in the Stone, The Three Caballeros, Thor, The Dark World, uh, Tron, Up, Wally, Zootopia. Those are just some of the movies. See, and that, I mean, that excites me too, because a lot of, like, the have been, like, locked away in the Disney vault. Then you know, we get, yeah, the vault, I hate the Disney vault, and I love the Disney vault, because they're so protective of their IPs. Right. 
So that's good and bad. Day one TV library highlights. So these are some of the TV shows coming. Day one. Amazing Planet. Um, I'm going to just read some highlights again. Amazing Planet, um, Boy Meets World, Brain Games, The Dog Whisperer, which I didn't know was a Disney property. Me, me either, actually. Um, so I always just watched it on like morning television. Yeah, or Animal Planet or whatever it was yeah. on. Uh, anyway, DuckTales 87 and DuckTales 2016 will both be up there. Yes, give me that 87 DuckTales. Woo! Um, the 2016 one's really good, actually. I like, I like really good. I've seen an episode. I do enjoy it. I I'm still more partial to the Ducktales though, but I like what Ducktales. I don't know. David Tennant's really good Scrooge. That's because it's David Tennant. It, it, yeah, no, I'll watch the, that man do anything. Yeah, no, this one's actually the the 2016 one's really good too. Um, it's very one of the very well done remakes anymore. Anyway, moving on. Um, Goof Troop is coming. Oh my god, Goof Troop. Uh, Howie Mandel's Animals Doing Things. How can... You know what? I don't know. How can he... How can he animal if he's like OCD and scared of... Animals are some of the dirtiest things ever. I don't know, but uh, Kim Possible could do it. That's coming soon. Kim Possible could do it. Yes, I loved Kim Possible. Not the new TV show thing that they made. I want the animated stuff. With her lip and mustache. (laughs) <laughs> what we got here? We've got Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and Ultimate Spider-Man, um, the animated series, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. My son will go. I, I goodbye my life. That's all. It's gonna be on my TV when I'm home, and I'll watch. But anyway. I mean, the Clubhouse wasn't awful. No, uh, Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, that's so Raven. The yes. Wicked Tuna. There's some good stuff coming. There will be more, but yeah, that's. That's that. Good times. Good times. Going to be worth it. If anyone is willing to share their Disney Plus password, it's your girl. Just let, right, I'm available. Man, let me know. I'm available yeah. to take a password or two. Um, I promise it'll be put to good use in my household. I do have two stepchildren that do like Disney things, so it's not just for me. You're doing it for the children. She says that it's mainly <laughs> for her. So, moving on from interest. <laughs> Moving on from entertainment this week, um, we have a guest segment where we discuss something that's considered a current event, I guess, um, can be considered a controversial topic. We are joined by a good friend of mine for our guest segment this week. Um, my friend Antonio joined us, where he, Miss Nancy, and I sat down and talked for a bit over... Do video games cause violence? Um, we do get off topic a bit, I will warn you. And yeah, we go at it for a bit. So without further ado, this is our segment. So for today's political thing, we are going to be touching on a pretty hot button issue that's been circulating around the news and the interwebs for the past week. But topical. Yay! A topical thing. Um, but Corey and I are not going to be going at this alone. We have scrounged through the internet sludge and pulled out an Antonio to help us talk about our political climate of the internet this week. 
Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> How's it going? It goes. I hear you. How does it feel to be pulled from the internet and onto a place of breathing area to talk about frustrations and feelings and emotions? I mean, after pulling me out of a smoke-filled basement, after you know, att while attempting my eleventh run through of Skyrim, uh, I'm I'm glad that you felt my opinion was was weighty enough to bring me here into this forum of high-minded intellectuals. Uh, you hear that? We're high-minded intellectuals. Emphasis on the uh, hi now. <laughs> so, I think we should probably start this off by talking about. One of the more controversial moves that a business has, you know, reportedly made this week, and this is coming from IGN of Walmart reportedly removing violent video game ads and games from their stores. Yeah, I saw that. My first reaction to it is, why? What's it solve? You know, I want to get into that. Um, I think we should probably... Just kissed over the article really quick and figure out, you know, like what this article is trying to say about, you know, Walmart being like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this ah, as like, you know, the quick knee jerk reaction to the second something bad happens. Um, so, of course, there was the mass shooting in El Paso, Texas, um, that had happened on the third and it happened in a Walmart, you know, in a place where. You know, people were just going out to shop and a lot of people have started the argument. Again, this isn't anything new. Um, we've been through this hundreds of times now, but they've started the argument that it's violent video games that are causing this mass shooter problem or this extra aggression problem. And they were reportedly going to be removing any signage and displays referencing violence. They still were going to sell guns in the store. Um, there was also, you know, including things of like unplugging video game display units with the violent video game demos um, and trying to make it, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right. But back to back to the point that you said, Corey, why? <laughs> So, I mean, the reason is they took the action out of respect for the incidents over the past weekend. And they say it does not reflect a long-term change in their video game assortment. Um, some of the reports at first were confusing, saying they had completely removed the games from the shelves. Now people are saying they have not, and Walmart has clarified that. But I don't see how removing signage and games from shelves are going to effectively, what, end a more widespread issue i yeah. you know they're trying that the, the connection is being made or trying to be made that video games cause violence which is still something i refuse to accept i mean honestly i don't i don't see it i think it's more of that it's children play too much games and get disconnected from the real world and parents again it's out of sight out of mind on their kids so Antonio, what do you think about all this so far so uh, as you know, <clears throat> as we were going over the article there, I was pulling a couple of things up and uh, just kind of really wanting to look at the history of, of them attempting to push legislation on uh, video games, particularly 
Um, and, and as we look through it, you know, we've, there's always been an issue with, you know, the, I guess the open public availability of like violence for, for video games as it's, you know, they're, they're typically or were typically uh, specifically targeted, marketed towards minors. Um, and so people have the, the argument that having, you know, a child control this avatar whose purpose in this virtual world is to go and commit acts of violence will somehow, you know, inspire that child or, you know, uh, and develop them into normalizing acts of violence. Um, and while it seems like a sound argument, a lot of people have committed to extensive studies on the topic and uh, they found that it's actually the opposite, that if you have, you know, video games, you're able to, you know, go and, and essentially express your frustrations or your, whatever your violent fantasies would be uh, in, you know, in this virtual world. And so in the same way of like watching a movie or reading a story, you have some form of expressive outlet. So you wouldn't go and commit those, you know, in the actual world because you've kind of gotten your fix there. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think that the, the argument that video games specifically cause violent actions has any uh, ground to stand on. Um, and they, they've tried this multiple times, too. They did this in the 90s after a, uh, a Heath High School shooting in 1997. Uh, they did it following Columbine because the perpetrators happened to be playing video games. <clears throat> and, and, you know, it's kind of like the, the argument that more homicides, you know, that, that homicide and ice cream have a, a strong positive correlation with each other. So one could reason that ice cream causes homicide. You know yeah. what's even more likely to cause homicide? It's been shown that in 100% of serial killers that have ever existed, they've all drank water, at least at one point in time. <laughs> you know, they all took a bath. Exactly. Actually, to kind of piggyback on what Antonio was saying, the court and the cases they brought about in the 90s are what created the ESRB in the first place in the early 90s because of the game Night Trap. Parents right. deemed it to be too violent and too explicit for children, and there was no rating system to control that. Much like parents brought ratings to the music industry, um, parents are bringing ratings to the game industry. Luckily, they were able to avoid actual government oversight by agreeing to create the, to create the independent ESRB, and it worked out that way. Thank goodness there was no oversight for the government controlling games, which is a horrible idea to begin with. And I don't know why that was even brought up, but you know, and that's that's where we look at this as well. Is if parents understood, maybe understood the rating system better as well. Kids that maybe shouldn't be playing the violent games aren't going to get a hold of them as easily. Maybe they'd have to get them from a friend or or something, but at least the parent wouldn't provide it. It would well, sure. limit their exposure basically. And I think the parents just need to like get to the movie theaters sooner because now the movie theaters even explain like movie ratings, to, you know, to parents of like, oh, this, they're both PG-13, but for totally different reasons. And you have to decide if you're okay with your child digesting one or the other because there's more like PG-13 movie content that you know might have the violence versus the sexually su like suggestive side of it like or you have deadpool which is kind of like an amalgamation of both um with the pg-13 deadpool that they released so you have to make that executive decision and then by you making that decision and your kid like going out and finding it elsewhere it's not as 
much of a constant exposure versus like, you know, they're able to kind of like sneak it in every so often. So it shouldn't have that same effect. Well, also, you know, and, and it, it was easier for our parents, I would suppose, because we were, we were cartridge babies, you know? So it was, it was easy to say, oh, well, this is violent. I don't want my child to be engaging in this. Give me that Mortal Kombat cartridge. Now it's like, oh, let me delete this violent app off of your iPhone. But they only delete the actual like app, but they don't actually like uninstall right. it and block it. <laughs> well, exactly. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's not quite so easy. You would hope tech savvy parents would have parental controls on their devices. Yes, but that also being but... said, you know, we, but the, the, the suggested video games specifically are like this prevalence of like violent media, I would say. I mean, granted, our, our media isn't violent because it, you know, we're inspired by violent things. Our, our media is violent because our culture is violent. You know, we, we come from revolution, as, as it were. So we, we already glorify those kinds of like violent ideals. You know, we, we overemphasize the, the, how great the military is. You know, we militarize our police and tell people to respect them. We put a lot of this authority behind like the gun. So, I mean, America as a whole just embraces that. And to kind of piggyback off what you said, I've been scouring the internet for various like, you know, articles and scientific like journals in regards to this, because this is something I, I think is very important that we all should probably understand. There was one that I found on Oxford Academic that kind of talks about what we're like lumping together. And they looked at the video games Mortal Kombat and Doom like specifically. And basically mm -hmm. the gist of the, the research was is that although violent video games can have an effect of aggression, like increased aggression on youth, it is minimal compared to violent television. Seeing all the, the guns and the, the murders and everything that's on violent television is more of an actual instigator for aggression versus video games. And and you can even, to, to make a really simple connection too, it's because at, at the root of it, you know, people still understand, even, even adolescents, that video games are fantasy. You know, like for Doom, there's no excuse of like, oh, I was seeing demons. I thought my classmates were demons. Like, no, this, you know, it's it's likely because they're on, on top of that, there was a, you know, a prevalence of a lot of time and agency on their part to, you know, engage in, in watching other violent uh, pieces of media. You know, I mean, it's doom is, you know, demons and going through hell with a bunch of machine guns and, you know, a special army, you know, or a uh, soldier character. And the, uh, what was the other one? The Mortal Kombat. It's, you know, fatalities and ice powers and scorpion raiding with lightning. Like, so of course, none of that's rooted in reality. And I remember, so I remember when Mortal Kombat was really controversial because of the, all the quote-unquote blood that it showed. But, like, to me, it just looked like blotches of ketchup all over the place versus actual blood. And I'm like, no, that's, that's silly. But that was and, something that people actually thought. <laughs> well, Mortal Kombat was ahead of its time. I mean, think about it, too. And we were growing up and we watched, we saw Mortal Kombat 2 come out after... Mortal Kombat 1 was awesome enough because we only had Street Fighter. And then we got into Mortal Kombat 2 and everything was really amped up. And so back then we were like, man, these graphics are amazing. Once we got to 3D, we were blown away. You know, and so, <laughs> and, and that was, but that wasn't just our perception. That was everybody's perception too. 
like so i mean our you know our parents watching us have these things in our in, in our homes are like what the hell so you know for for them i'm sure that the you know having again they weren't they weren't raised with those kinds of things for them video games were like pong and you know talking about just how games have evolved i remember a big controversy years ago when modern warfare came out the first modern warfare what was that call of duty three or four originally four and they had or it was modern warfare 2 it was one of those two where they had the no russian and i remember going through at the beginning of that game it even gives you a warning asking you if you want that scene in there and yes that's violent that's very realistic but they give you that saying hey this isn't real they even give you the screen at the beginning and they're trying to make sure you're not connecting it to that that way with the industries i think also with all this too is that you know we're we're talking about like the controversies with media right i don't want to like always i don't want to bring it all the way there but i do think that the media has a bigger play in these types of mass shootings with how they're covered and i will scream that to the rooftops until the day that i die because a lot of you know news news stations and different organizations kind of like i don't want to say glorify but they definitely like make a mass shooter famous like they I, sensationalize it exactly that's the word i was looking for thank you so like, you know we're blasted with photos of their faces we you know we know their names and i very much respect the news organizations the the politicians the reporters and all the little people that have started to stop talking about the actual, you know, perpetrator or the insider of a mass shooting or the violence. So that way they don't get that recommend that like praise and, you know, hype and attention that they may or may not have actually been wanting. Well, you know, so, so many, I don't know if you, you saw Neil deGrasse Tyson made a, a comment on it where he was kind Oof. of going over the numbers and putting things into like, and I, I, and I, someone else made a commentary on this as well. And it's kind of the same. I see where he was trying to just take a step back and, and be very scientific about it and putting the numbers up. Um, actually, it was Trevor Noah, I think, that, that brought it up, uh, that, that had this similar commentary. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it's, you know, it, was, it was a bad response to the shooting, but at the same time, too, like when you, when you look at the data, and, and this is just getting more into, I suppose, like the gun thing and the media thing. We, the way that they sensationalize is they, they keep trying to I suppose present these weapons in a in a in a fashion where they're deadlier than they actually are. I mean, granted, at the end of the day, like weapons are weapons. So, you know, their their purpose is to hurt people. But as far as the way that they portray it, it's like, oh, it was oh, it's a semi-automatic, and it's like, yes, semi-automatic. But if you know anything about guns, that just means that it's one trigger pull, and then it's one bullet. And it's like that's yeah, so it's how as fast the... as you can pull the trigger versus something where the... you just hold it down. That's how the vast majority of guns work. Ever since the double action revolver was invented, like that's how most guns work. And by vast majority, I really do mean unless you're muzzle loading it and, or doing something kind of crazy, you've got that small percentage of automatic weapons, which already, you know, we already have this massive amount of red tape and paperwork that people have to go through for any number of things. Um, you know, to go, oh, it was a semi-automatic assault-style rifle. It's like, all that means is that he put a couple of plastic pieces on it and that it's a normal gun. Right. So, Like the, you know, the bump stocks, right? That's like one of the, the you know, things. The bump stock was something else. That was, that, the bump stock as an accessory, I, I see why they felt the, the need to put some kind of legislation on that, but it, that was also a silly thing just because 
removing the bump stock doesn't take away the, the capability to do that. There are techniques that you can use in your marksmanship to make the firearm work that way. Granted, it's clumsy and it's from the hip and it's not accurate at all, but it does have the same effect. All you're doing is managing that recoil. But again, these aren't things that good shooters do. So bump stocks are, are silly. Real, you know, it's it's a novelty at best. Real marksmen wouldn't use them for anything. Okay. So the, again, more more over sensationalizing of things. Um, but it really just comes from a lack of understanding. You know, so, so to for someone to say oh, it was an assault style rifle, it's like no, all that means it was a, it was it was a plastic regular rifle that that he chose to use. But when again looking at the numbers. Most violent crimes that utilize firearms that are committed, again, vast majority are handguns. You know, rifles rifles aren't any more deadly except in their exhibition and if you're trained in how to use them. But, it, you know, handguns, the, the reason that you need a concealed license as opposed to a long gun license is because a concealed weapon, by the nature of it being concealed and small, is more dangerous. I can carry it under my shirt and I can get the drop on someone if I need to. You know, and Versus so there's... like a, you know... An M15? Not, is that what they're called? An M15 strapped to your an, back? It, it's like, an M16 or an AR15, depending on oh, which okay. variant you're talking about. But yeah. Okay. I I don't I don't shoot them up. So I don't I don't guns. So sure. that's you know, I, I I got the amalgamation of the two. But you got what I was going for. So just like in the state of Texas, you can also open carry samurai swords now. <laughs> Sure, but when you think about it, though, would you? What's your your greater concern? Is it the weapon you know exists that you can't see anywhere, or is it the weapon that you can see and you're like, I'm gonna look out for this crazy guy with the fucking sword on his back? It does make you more aware, and I. <laughs> I it's a lot better than like you know knowing he's got it down his pant leg or something because he's got this concealed katana permit, and I'm like, oh fuck, I don't know who's got a katana down their pant leg. <laughs> you can tell because they walk with a little bit of a limp. It's not. <laughs> Is this motherfucker just big dicked or does he have a katana? Man. Is that a katana? Or are you happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> Can you help me slice this melon? Or those water bottles. I miss that guy who would like just take his katanas to the random things and post those videos on YouTube for all of us to enjoy. Gone too soon. Actually, true story where I used to work um, when that law passed here in Texas. A guy just showed up for the first day walking around with a machete, just carrying it around because he could. Respect and it. Everyone freaked out, and I just looked at him going, cool. <laughs> yeah, I can respect it. So, I think just to kind of get us back on track, um, so I, I can assume that we're all in the same camp of violent video games not really having an effect, and there's a lot of other things that contribute to the mass shootings, like the one that happened in El Paso, and all the hundreds of other ones we've had this year alone. Um, so I guess I want to bring up some counterpoints that I've found in terms of some of those research articles that I was looking at that do support the argument that people are making that violent video games can cause more aggressive uh, behavior in people. So one of the ones I'm going to pull up for you guys is this one that I found from pediatrics. Um, publications about the violent video game effects um, in both Japan and the United States. Um, so it's multicultural, at least. So there's that. And there's also two different, you know, cultures, because Japan doesn't have guns, but the United States does. So that's something that, you know, 
we want to think about as well. Um, with this study, it consisted of 181 Japanese junior high students from 12 to 15 years, and then also um, an extra 1,050 from 13 to 18. The United States had um, 364 third, fourth, and fifth graders ranging from nine to 12 years. So there was definitely a larger sample size um, in Japan versus the United States, but they noted that there wasn't too many differences culturally. Um, but what this says said is that um, the long-term exposure to video games has suggested that it does pose a significant risk factor for later in life of becoming physically aggressive or showing that aggressive behavior and that um, it does differentiate across the cultures. And I think that's just, you know, the difference between the cultures, but it is increased in both. So what do you guys think about that? I think that people who have violent tendencies and people that are already, you know, we're, and we're, we're just discussing violent people specifically, of course, they're going to look for a medium with which to, you know, feed those cravings. And so it's, it's no surprise to say that violent people also watch violent movies and play violent video games. That's not to say that those things are necessarily inspirations for their violent tendencies, although they certainly can be. Um, I would say that those people already sought out those violent video games and violent media because they were already interested in those, in those ideas. It really comes with a balance, you know, when you're if if you take a kid and you put him in front of violent television shows all day and let him play violent video games, you don't teach him anything at all. You know, there's no there's no positivity and all this. This kid knows his ideas of violence uh, for whatever reason, whether through neglect or no, and crazy amounts of time and agency on their time on their side. You know, of course, you're going to come out with a, a socially maladjusted, violent person because that's all you're putting into that individual but that's that, that's not you know and so while there might be some kind of contributing factor it's really a matter of understanding what a balance is right and i'm, I'm gonna make a really loose comparison to that sure um but it's kind of like the same thing with dogs <laughs> where if you keep a dog isolated and don't stimulate it um it'll have a higher likelihood of being aggressive towards people or other dogs. But if you have that dog socialize and learn what it's like to, you know, be, be a dog and what acceptable dog behavior is through training and socializing and stimulating, you end up with good dog. Sure. So and it's, and it's a psychology one-on-one nature versus nurture argument. But I mean, if people are sponges, if, if living beings that are conscious are sponges for information, and all you do is teach someone violence, that's what you're going to get. You know, if you teach someone to be a well-rounded, normal, you know, socially normal, you know, on that, on that very big bell curve of what normal is, um, you know, then, then yeah, you're going to have a normal person. And, and of course, there's, there's, other, there's other things, you know, some people just have mental issues, some people suffer from bipolar disorder. Um, and, and that's where, you know... Violent video games didn't cause the Aurora shooting. You know, someone someone who had unnecessary ac access to firearms, and that also being said, you know, committed criminal acts to get said firearms. Like, killed his mom to get the rifle, and then went and you know committed the shooting. Right. It was a it was a whole sequence of events. 
but he versus... was already meant but he was also mentally ill he was someone who was already being treated and somebody who was going to therapy and being watched you know and he and and one day he snapped that wasn't a violent video game thing that was a mentally ill person and that person probably did feed his ideas with violent medium but that's not to say that that is what caused him to have the outburst he was already unhinged okay Roy, what do you think well, i mean ultimately it kind of just goes back down to with that you know with the kids consuming it it more comes down to parents being able to teach them a different between the virtual reality and actual reality um, like Antonio said, if you're just sitting there and, te- and showing them violence over and over and over and over and over and over again without any way of showing them the disconnect between what they're showing is not real, that's what you're going to get is someone that, like you said, is just just violence. It all goes back to ultimately parents doing what parents need to do, and that's actually looking Parenting. at what they're yeah, that's actually looking at what their kids get into instead of being a fly by night parent, instead of being someone who here's oh, your little, iPad little johnny wants to play call of duty because his friends play call of duty well yeah but then you hear little johnny down the hall using racial slurs and calling people cunts and you're like whoa 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 johnny exactly you're you're, you're 11 and where did you hear that <laughs> and then that then it's already too late because what are you gonna do take away what you've already given them then they're gonna find a way to get it back Instead, i found your old xbox 360 dad oh no oh no it's just it <laughs> It Shut goes, those servers down now. <laughs> yeah, it like I said, it just it ultimately goes back to parents monitoring what their kids do and making sure that what their kids are consuming, even if it is violent, there is a way for them to teach that disconnect. You know, when you sit a kid down in front of the TV and they're gonna play Mortal Kombat with you, and there's blood and violence, okay, you gotta do something afterward to make them understand that that is just a video game. And most kids are smart and know it's just a video game. Well, that's kind of the point of the rating system, you know. Movies are <laughs> like movies. PG, parental guidance. You know why? Because you take your child to the movie with a parent and they watch it and then somewhere in there the parent is able to guide them and explain that what they just saw is not fucking real. So ultimately maybe what we need to do is look at finding a way for them to maybe redo the ratings for the ESRB and make them simpler. I mean, as of right now you have your kids games, you have E for everyone, but then you have E10 plus for everyone 10 plus. Then you have your teen, and then you have your mature, and then you have your adult only. Which I have very rarely seen any of those games. It's like six in existence. Maybe, of course, I'm, yeah. I'm undercutting it for sure. Then there's, there's a lot more, but probably I've never. They looked. don't market them. And that rating system seems simple enough, except for the EE10 plus thing, which parents aren't going to understand. I just um, missed K to A. That was a lot easier. Yeah, the simple original rating of K to A, kids to adults. T for teens and M for mature. That was simple. Easy to follow. <laughs> or just even simple, a kid's game, everyone, teens, adults. There you go. Teens, mature. I think they need to find a way to simplify it, or they need to better explain it, because the only place I ever see explanations for the rating systems are at gaming conventions that everyday parents don't go to. I know for a fact I... the guys of Penny Arcade were commissioned to do rating explanation drawings for the ESRB. And unless you know where to go find those, you don't see them. I think maybe making that more available, just like how we were saying with like movies, it's like this is PG-13 because of sexually suggestive content. Or this is rated PG for cartoon violence. Um, well, and like having trailers, those... 
used to say you rated M for mature or E for everyone before they played on TV, and you don't really see that anymore. Right. But I also think like having it like on the actual like box, you know, on the actual well, and it is and it's on the box. They, but they need it to be bigger. <laughs> Can I, you know, I just realized something too. Can I, I just had to make coat. a point? Um, <laughs> video games actually have been pretty. I would say that they they've been pretty conscious of like certain world events. Um, for instance, like you know specifically like violence and touching on a wrong chord, Shinobi, uh, for PlayStation Two that re-release. Do you guys remember that? No. I do there's, not. I am a baby. Oh my! Well, there's a scene where your your ninja is basically jumping out of a helicopter and using his katana to slow his descent by going down a building and basically chopping through the whole building. Now, originally what was uh, supposed to happen was he was supposed to slide all the way down, and then as he jumped off of the building and then landed, the building was supposed to split in half. They literally reworked that entire scene because of 9-11. Yeah, oh. video games are pretty conscious about it. There was like, a game on Steam after the Parkland shooting that was called, what, School Shooter Simulator or something, and... Um, I remember Steam, that. And Steam pulled it. <laughs> Video game industry is very because Steam delist. They didn't pull it. They delisted it. They it's still available if you really wanted to find it. But Steam didn't put it deep. on lists. Steam didn't put it on anything. They said nope. And the game didn't really sell, other than those sadistic people that wanted to to see what it was. I mean, and, and there's also been you know there and, and there have been crazy games kind of like like Postal. But Postal was, very, you know, it was an AO game. And then after a while, they put it out of production. I remember Postal. You know, so, again, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I think that to say that, you know, if, if the consumption of violent media is, is some kind of, like, catalyst to violent behavior, you know, then that that's really more of a cultural reexamining. It's not so much a matter of, you know, saying that we have to like take away the, the the video games or one particular piece of media. That's part of a much larger argument. But seeing as we have always had violence, whether it's through our literature or video games or movies or TV shows, I mean, you know, or for history. instance, well, I mean, history in general, of course. You know, this I'm, I'm sure you've seen those memes of the classical paintings of all these scenes of war, of everyone just stabbing and killing each other, and it's all agony. And then it says, um, not a phone in sight, just people living in the moment. <laughs> living it's, and dying in the moment, really. Exactly. But, yeah. And it's kind of like that, you know, with that. But so just for the sake of argument, like, you know, if you look at the American way of looking at things, you can't, you can see a person get shot in the head on primetime television at 8 p.m. on a Thursday, you know, on broadcast. But I have to you pay can't... for HBO to see boobs. Right, you can't see a tit. And and how crazy is that? That like you you can't see a piece of human anatomy, you know, because we we have this stigma about sexuality. But you go to somewhere like in Scandinavia, and w it would be the complete opposite. You know, you'd see, and I'm exaggerating, of course, but you'd see tits on an orange juice commercial, whereas you would never, you know, see so readily available for children or whoever just to have you know a ridiculous amount of violence. You can even see it when you watch like your British television. You don't see a lot of that, um, no. whereas we do with ours. And so yeah. you could say that based just on our TV, you know, but the difference in countries is that in the United States, we like to say that violence is good and sex is bad. 
And then in Scandinavia and, and Europe and other places, they like to say sex is good and violence is bad. And when you look at those two ideas, someone's got it fucked up there. Yeah. And I um, think I know who. Because I yeah. do watch, you know, I watch a lot of British television and violence in British television is more insinuated violence than actual violence. Sure. They insinuate the scene that happened. If there's a murder taking place, they insinuate what happened and maybe show you the aftermath, but you don't usually see what actually happened. But, you know, even the and the video game argument, just to, just to kind of, I guess, bring it back wow. to that, you know, you find that it's 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 just silly how we're we're not even the world's largest consumer of video games. And I thought we were. I thought it was us and Japan somewhere neck and neck with us being just ahead because of our consumer culture. Um, and come to find out, it was actually China is ahead of the United States in amount of video game players. Uh, and I think within that was the violent video games as well. And then it's us and then it's Japan. And so, and granted, like when you have, you know, people, people go postal wherever, you know, you have mass stabbings. Uh, there was one in, uh, one that comes to mind immediately was one in 2014 in China, like 33 people were killed. And there were like, I think over a hundred were injured somewhere in this mass stabbing that happened. Um, you know, and, and so people, people go nuts in other parts of the world. And of course it's not as, it's not so much of a spectacle as, as here. With, uh, you know, granted, of course, that's also with our choice of of weapon. You don't see yeah. people really running with machetes through places. Now, my belief is always, well, yeah, right. My belief has always been that violence will always find a way, no matter what the weapon is. Oh, for sure. You know, but that's just something that we do, like, and human nature, I'm, unfortunately. And that's the thing is, I don't, I don't mean to minimize it in any way. I'm not, I'm not putting it aside. I'm not saying that it's not important. It's not worthy of discussion. That's, but it's, that's not the topic for today because today is really just video games and violence, and we've already kind of gone on different tangents. Um, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but, but there's know. also a lot that goes with it, you know. So it's like we want to, you right, know, it's, try it's, to round out the argument. In my opinion, I think it's safe to say that you know it's not the video game. Damn it, it's, humanity always trying to supersede simplicity. <laughs> but no, i think i agree with you nancy it's not it's not the video games it's like antonio said it's more of a facade of a societal issue and it's a it's right. a it's an aggregate of societal issues it's not just like it's not it's not one specific thing we always tend to look for one red herring you know what we're look or we're looking for um you know one one scapegoat or one thing to blame it on it always has to be one particular thing and you know it's 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 really a a mixture of of different things from different directions you know it, it you could say it's because we have a prevalence of violence being shown to our kids and you say okay so why do we have that why do kids have a prevalence of violence and it's like okay well cuz they watch a lot of tv that's violent they play a lot of violent video games you say okay well why do they spend so many hours doing those things or why and, are we even making that type of like medium for like the like the tv like, why has it become so violent? Why aren't there other forms of entertainment, like more of like the British, where it's like insinuating, where you got to think about it, but you're not visualizing, seeing it, well, and you're not becoming desensitized to it. Well, again, we can't oversimplify because, of course, there's different genres. We have comedy, we have action, so not everything is violence-centered here. But you know, well, right. when yeah, so we we do have that. But I guess it's like okay, so when we say like you know, again, why do why do kids have this much amount of this this amount of time? and access to violent content and it's, it's like well because their parents aren't around or their parents are distracted you know so, someone's not watching them someone's not guiding them 
Um, and again, I'm not a parent, but that's a that's a parental issue. And you know, 100 percent it is. Right. You know, I mean, look, I'll tell you what. No, no, twelve-year-old has sixty dollars. I mean, aside from you know some some elites, but no twelve-year-old just has sixty dollars to go wipe his ass with a buy a video game and then not get questioned about it. Somebody bought him that thing, you know. So if if that is indeed your argument, yeah, somebody bought that twelve-year-old Call of Duty, you know, so he can go online and tell people how much they know he he's acquainted with their mothers. And it's like, dude, and you got him an online account just to talk to people. Like, right, so there's an so there's an enabling factor behind it as well too. That sure, of course. You know, yeah. we should, and again, I think it just you know goes back to what Corey's been saying. It's it's parenting. It's you know the the passive parenting. I think is probably the best way to put it. Is you know, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let me finish looking at this funny Facebook meme here. Go buy whatever you want. It's fine, and like not you know, not making that connection and not being aware, you know, so like that kid could be running around with a machete and you'd be paying attention, but if they're running around with, you know, like a, you know, violent video game, you don't blink an eye because it's in a little box. It it obviously couldn't do anything wrong or, you know, change anything in any way. So it must be fine. I don't need to pay attention. They sell it and, you know, it's not off the deep web, so it should be okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I I can't tell you the amount of times that I've been trying to harvest my vegetables in Stardew Valley, and I'm just like, damn, I'm so angry, i got to commit a school shooting. Like, I mean, Jesus. Yeah, let me tell you, you know, I was just sitting there the other day playing Mario Maker, and I got so frustrated on this level that I just had to go out and shoot up a mall. Oh, man. I was so frustrated. The whole mall? The whole mall, all yeah. of all of the mall. All what of level then, of pay, what level of payday two is the mall? See, and then for me, <laughs> I was I was playing I was playing Tetris, you know, not that long ago, and I got so mad that I had to go to a nursery and just start, you know, having having wreaking havoc on the whole thing and just started Those fucking the blocks, man. Yeah, like yeah. it was it was so rage inducing, and I just. I needed to take it out on babies. So I think I think that's going to be the best way to wrap this up. Um, as you can tell, we really don't feel that video games are the reason why, you know, um, unfortunately people were, you know, massacred in Walmart. And there's a lot of things that we need to work on. But you can't go blaming it on one specific outlet that doesn't relate to the actual issue. Not at all, but hey, shout out to the new FBI agents following us for those statements. Oh, absolutely. Uh, no. <laughs> Sarcasm doesn't translate well in government transcripts. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's talk to, like, wait to wait to our cameras that you know watching us on. You know, thank the NSA for listening in on our conversations today, and I can't wait to see what this watch list brings me now. Going <laughs> to be our, our newest followers, right? right. We got new listeners for the podcast. Hooray! Invisible listeners. I love it. But hey, Antonio, hey. thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Yes. If anybody is interested in my inebriated comments, you can follow me at Security Bear on Twitter with the first E being a three. And I will link that in the description for the episode below. Yes, thank you for coming on. This was 
a fun conversation for a really shitty thing that happened. And I think it was important that we took our time to talk about this today. So thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Well, with that, now back to your regularly programmed thing. So now I think it's time that we jump into this week in your sub box. Because some internet news has happened in the wonderful world of streaming. I am learning that this week is becoming the week where I just get to talk a lot about how things are making me feel. Is this a therapy session for you, Corey? I mean, do I need are to get Are we working through some stuff? I mean, apparently we are, because I'm going to let you let you talk about this, but I just have a feeling this could be one of those episodes. Yep. We're going we're gonna to strap in with our, our weighted blankets and some tea, and we're just going to let all our feelings out this week. Yep, and we're going to strap on for a wild ride. Yes, because I have some feelings about this one, too. Um, so this comes from YouTube one of the more popular streaming services. Um, And I'm sure you guys are well aware because it did go viral, but a Los Angeles YouTube star is currently being investigated for animal cruelty after an an accidental upload shows her spitting and maybe spitting on her dog. There's no maybe, she did. I've seen the video. (laughs) Yeah, I've, I've seen the video as well. And, like, you know, she is, she is obviously now, actually, you know what, hold on, we're going to pause on that, and we're going to talk about what it was. So, basically, a quick breakdown of the video is um, from YouTuber Brooke House, and she was uploading a video of trying to do a prank video on her dog with saran wrap, and we all know the saran wrap prank where like you put the saran wrap you know on the door and then like you have someone like chase you and then they get caught by the saran wrap and you know it's funny fun times to be had potential suffocation no breathing but you know that's what it is um so she was trying to do that with her dog and she was really like you know ramping the dog up and getting it like high energy like oh it's playtime it's playtime but the the doberman wasn't cooperating what with the actual prank and was like you know jumping over it or going under it and just like not giving her the outcome she wanted so then the it flips like mood just flips from her like running around to her like you know being off camera and like you you hear hitting and then you even hear the dog kind of make a noise that sounds kind of like a whimper um just a very like loud like more of like a shock like oh my god and then there's another clip of her spitting on the dog and then also like her like kind of like wrestling the dog to the ground and like pinning it down and oh my god so (laughs) one fuck this woman oh yes to the highest degree so i'm gonna give you a little more context to all of this so this was a quote unquote an accidental upload because she cuts and edits videos of her and her dog for her YouTube channel for her twenty to fifty thousand views. Your animal's not a publicity stunt, and that and you don't deserve your animal. Number one. Um, we have 
I, I mean, I'm just, I pulled up Twitter to find this, that animal advocates, one who I follow is actually a pitcher of my favorite baseball team. Anyway, so Lance Collars Jr. actually got really, really hyped up on this and called her out a lot. <laughs> Good, more people um, need to. As did other, and he has the platform of millions of followers that are seeing this and more people than subscribe to her channel have now seen what she's done to this dog. Um pieces of shit like this that just make me realize how fucked up this world really can be more so than other things we've discussed in this episode yeah you know, like aggression toward a human while wrong at least on some level the human can fathom that you have that aggression toward it that dog doesn't know what it did because from all that video footage it didn't do anything other than just not do the stupid thing you wanted it to do when you're training an animal you don't beat it you just positive reinforce what it does and tell it no for things it doesn't do. I have yes, animals. And... I have a dog. And while she barely listens half the time, she's actually pretty well trained. As much shit as I give about her not being well trained, she's actually pretty well trained. Yeah, she's a good dog. And one thing I want to say in terms of, you know, the positive reinforcement is a lot of people are mad at her too because she's viewed as a hypocrite because she's actually in a couple videos talked about that type of positive reinforcement training and that dogs don't respond well to negative punishment and you know then for her to like go around and like do this so it's not just i mean the abuse is obviously like the biggest part of it and it's awful and like that dog should have been taken out a long time ago um well, but she's a hypocrite too as i'm sure i could go on youtube right now and still find her video yeah because unfortunately, they don't get delisted. No, because it's not it's not child abuse. So apparently, not. she okay. So she actually released her own statement. I want to read this out. Okay. So her statement. Oh God, it's gonna pull me to her Twitter, and I'm gonna see all of the horrible things that people are saying about. Okay. So her statement, essentially, it's to anyone who's been commenting on my social media as recently. Anything I say is like going to make those who believe I'm a bad person stop believing that. But she apologized to anyone who's been affected by the footage. First off, she wants to address the footage. On the day in particular that the video was filmed, and actually this past week, things in my outside life has been less than exceptional. I am not going to play the victim card or anything of that sort, but I do want to point out that I am rarely as upset as what was shown in the footage. Um... So she says all that and then says, that being said, does not justify me yelling at my dog in the way that I did. I'm fully aware of that. Should I have gotten as angry as I did the video? No. Should I have raised my voice and yelled at him? No. So, however, when my 75-pound Jilberman is jumping up in my face with his mouth open, I do as a dog parent have to show him that his behavior is unacceptable. Um, but you caused him to do that. Right. You encourage that behavior by, you know, getting him excited and like, you know, having a, you know, a, a certain type of playtime where it's like, yeah, he's going to get that high level level energy and he's still a puppy. It's not like, like this is like a full fledged, like well trained dog. This is still a dog that's. So she says that it's because ever since he was attached to the dog park, he isn't OK being around other dogs. Hey, true story, so is my dog. But that doesn't give me a right to do those things to it. No, you don't get to just 
decide it's okay to hurt a dog because yeah, like and i'm not saying guess what so was my dog to say haha this is something else that happened the truth is my dog did have an experience at the dog park that did change and firsthand she went from being friendly with your dog to not immediately after yeah she she does not like it's not that she doesn't like my dog but she's skittish around my dog now she's very hesitant she's got that that experience like in her mind that mm-hmm. you know unless they're the dogs that like she kind of like grew up with they're bad it's unfortunately it's much like humans behavior when it comes to things like that you stick to your security blanket and you're saying your dog needs training from it no you need to understand what your dog needs from you is that positive reinforcement positive reinforcement not these things that shows you on this unedited footage if it's unedited footage and it has you doing these on it then obviously you knew what you were doing was going to be on film and you can't sit there and say oh i'll cut it later it shouldn't have been done in the first place yeah, you don't just get to decide that you get to hide abuse. You just got caught. That's... And, uh, you know, the LAPD is investigating right now, which is which is good. Um, and they've handed it over to the Animal Cruelty Task Force and are looking to determine whether or not a crime has been committed. Um, I do believe that, yeah, that that looks like a crime. That does look like abuse. That poor dog. Um, and hopefully they're able to get that dog out of there. And we'll see what happens. I mean, the LAPD is yeah. investigating, but yeah, I mean, they are investigating. And in the meantime, like Ethan Klein from H three H three is like offered to buy the dog for any, any price. I've seen there. That. There. Um, I saw that. Um, you have. Oh, apparently the tweet is deleted that he uh, that she had made, but he Lance McCullers called her out and just put that he uses her dog for clicks to make money, then decides to abuse the dog for zero reason. She tries to spin it and says disciplining him. I have three dogs the same size, and that is never okay. She doesn't deserve any dog. She should be suspended from YouTube immediately. Um, and then calls, and then he calls out other big sports names that are in the animal activist world like Keith Olbermann, who every day retweets dogs that are in the pound on death row for someone to adopt every day and writes a little story about them. I love that. That's so wholesome. So it's just, yeah. Yeah, this is, you know, this is unacceptable. I really hope that we see something quick happen from this and that that dog gets a better home and that she faces some criminal charges so she can like legitimately learn from her ex. Yeah, he was really like I'm reading through the tweet color. He was really on her. There's people where she tweeted out, you know, thank to everyone who's been kind of understanding. I appreciate it. And he responds, nobody understands. You used your dog for a YouTube stunt and it didn't go the day you wanted and you got the dog all excited and then smack held down while spinning on him. So She's there's nothing that she's doing that's going to positively spin this, unfortunately. No, and like, even with like her, like, even her apology, and like, my opinion, like, is just so half assed. It's an apology because of cancel culture, yeah. And I mean, let's just let's just be honest here with this. I mean, if pro Jerry can lose his platform because he cheated on his wife and a lot more information's come out since then and we may have to do a revisit at some point on that whole subject for a sub box revisit 
and yeah. maybe give a, a maybe call it a resub if you will <laughs> but um in the world of cancel culture an apology like that's what's needed and it, unfortunately for her it's the video that she put out is so much more damning than anything like word of mouth could have been for example in the pro jared uh, commander holly thing yeah fans have power as rocco's modern life had put it exactly so let's let's hope that this has a quick resolution and a resolution where the dog is safe and happy and there are consequences for actions um but i think that will wrap up this our this week in our sub box i i don't really have anything else i could talk about sub boxy other than hey on uh, Mr. Pop Culture Junkies channel, part two of A Novice's Guide dropped on our day of recording. So when you see this up, go take a look on it over there and give him a subscription for more pro wrestling content. By that point, he will have his recap of SummerSlam probably in the works and getting up on his channel in that point. Yes, because SummerSlam is fast approaching. Yeah, um, speaking of, on the day of SummerSlam, there will be our part four coming up, which is actually before this comes up. Um, so, go hey, back quick and check announcement, it out. An announcement for something that's already <laughs> happened. So, past me is making an announcement to something future me is going to do. So, future me can tell you about it on recording. Part four is <laughs> up. Go listen to it. Round out our SummerSlam. Uh, Mr. Junkie goes over his list and we talk about the current edition or match or the bill whatever the hell you want to call it for this pro wrestling stuff yes it was exciting and very interesting to kind of like see like the then and the now so well worth a good listen he he has been a gracious and very educational expert of all things wrestling and i'm very happy that we were able to do this with him so make sure you go listen to it most definitely so in in terms of talking about telling you guys what to do, I think it's time that we jump into our PSA of the day. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun. And this PSA of the day comes from marketwatch.com, where Reportedly, a teenager was making $4,000 a month just by reposting memes on Instagram until he got purged. Yo, I need that. Right. If I knew I could make money off of just reposting memes on the internet, I would have done that like, so long ago because that's all my Facebook is anyway. Like, I could make money off of shit posting. Let's go. Isn't that what we're trying to do here? Yeah, we haven't made a cent yet. <laughs> I mean, then again, you know, lawsuits. Yeah, you can't sue us if you don't make money. <laughs> Actually, I, I... I mean, they could. But. Then again, maybe if I'm posted mean for $4,000, I don't really care. Yeah, you just throw your, your meme, meme allowance money. at them. Yeah, here, take money. my meme money. 
I almost you, you feel like guess. I would just give him Monopoly money at that point. Isn't that just mean money in the end? It it is, and a very <laughs> very astute observation. <laughs> so apparently, with all this, Instagram is now going after meme accounts. So we really missed our we missed our chance to make our heyday. You're telling me I can't scratch the niche that I just recently found? Yep. I'm really good at finding my niche and scratching it. So, yes, you are not going to be able to scratch this niche. Because um, they're, they're going after meme accounts and taking those down and also just cutting off like any type of like monetary connection with those. I guess they just want more teenage influencers and not, you know, supporting the meme culture, which is what the internet is really for, if we're being honest here. No, the internet is for porn. Porn and then porn and then memes. And then also posting memes on porn sites. Yeah. Fair? That is a thing. Yeah. So <laughs> um I just I mean I think it's absolutely ridiculous that you can make four thousand dollars just by reposting memes. Like that that number um blows my it, mind. You know, it actually doesn't surprise me. Because of how ad revenue generated Instagram is on likes and clicks. More so than some of the other platforms. It just it doesn't surprise me as much, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like, I guess from the content that's posted, and I think that's probably why Instagram is going after it, is like $4,000 a month is a lot for just rehashing without giving credits to people. Yeah, well, you know, entrepreneurship. God love yeah. it. Kid he, made money. He yeah, can buy he, all the Call of Duties without his parents knowing. <laughs> all the Call of Duty shoot a man that he could ever want. Park so, himself in front of a TV for 12 hours at a time and just watch violent content with that kind of money. Because that's, you know, how you're supposed to spend your time. Like, screw socializing with people. I don't know. I mean, if this kid's reposting memes all day for $4,000, I don't know if he's socializing much. You know, or maybe he is because, like, you've got to outsource some dank memes. Like, it's not like you That's can come up. That's a good point. You've got to have friends who can send you some pretty dank memes because you're not always going to find dank memes. Yeah, sometimes you go through a meme dry spell and it's just like, you know what? I've seen this or they were just not hitting that sweet spot, but then, like, your friend comes in with like the meme that you've been craving all week and it just like boom you're back in the game right yeah because that happens <laughs> yeah we've all had our dry spells and it's okay to know that we can work through it as long as we have friends yeah so i guess i guess our psa of the day today is if you're going to make money on Instagram, diversify your portfolio. Um, so I guess that means our PSA is only post the most freshest, dankest of anonymous memes. Yes. It's so PS dank. <laughs> PSA, post dank article 13 memes. <laughs> and that way you're European Union friendly. Hooray. So Go you got to make sure. 
For our possible European users out there, we're looking out. We're looking out with this PSA today. We're trying to get you. We, 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 we got your backs, homies. Don't worry. I'll be I'll be in Microsoft Paint sketching out a nice fresh meme for you, fresh off the charts. Actually, it won't even be in Microsoft Paint. It's going to be on pen and paper, and I'm going to take a picture of it, and then I'm going to post it on the internet. You got to take a Polaroid, and then you got to take a low grain res digital camera picture of that to upload up I and mean, it's got to have like really weird lighting like the lighting that's in like chinese food menus across the country across yeah <laughs> like u.s chinese food menu lighting on it overexposed camera lenses we got also at right? that also at that like high up like angle you know Maybe we could just create where... a lens flare and say jj ambrams touched it and then it becomes even more memeable yeah, we got this for you, Europe. Don't worry. PSA, Article 13 friendly memes only to make your $4,000.